Welcome to Talking About Cities, the podcast that connects you with leading innovators working to revitalize cities across America. We talk to the thinkers and doers facing the challenges and celebrating the promise of cities today. I'm your host, Carol Collette of the Kresge Foundation, and today we're with social practice installation artist Theaster Gates and Chicago Commissioner of Planning and Development David Reifman, talking about reimagining parts of the city experiencing extreme disinvestment and abandonment to create a foundation for a vibrant, equitable civic life. Theaster Gates is a sculptor, a potter, an installation and performance artist, and urban interventionist. He is an active investor in Chicago's South Side, bringing his brand of art to the neighborhood's abandoned buildings and vacant lots. David Reifman has served in Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel's cabinet as commissioner of the Department of Planning and Development since 2015, where he leads the city's housing, economic development, and planning and zoning bureaus while fostering community improvement projects and initiatives throughout the city. He also chairs the city's development fund. Together, they are leading Chicago's three-year initiative to reimagine the Civic Commons, part of a five-city effort funded by Kresge, JPB Foundation, Knight Foundation, and the Rockefeller Foundation. The goal is to reinvest in civic assets to create communities where everyone has a stake and everyone belongs. Tell me what this collaboration looks like the Aster culture is super important to the fabric of everybody's life in Chicago. I make culture. In order to make culture, you often need space. If you don't own the space, you need to manage the space. If you don't manage the space, you need permission for use. That I'm finding that as a cultural producer and a person who understands the importance of space, the innovative work that I want to do would not be possible unless I had the full support of the city, the possibility of flexible zoning opportunities, moments where my big ideas turn into a strategy that the city can believe in. And so in many ways, Commissioner Reifman and uh, the Department of Planning and Zoning has been an ally in scaling this work that I want to do so that more cultural possibilities can happen on the south and west sides. And David, your representation of the city. You know, I think from our perspective, we, you know, we have to make choices with limited resources of what we're going to fund and how we're going to fund things. And obviously, it's critically important to put a, a lot of emphasis on uh, where we can help develop communities, help them become neighborhoods of choice, especially areas on the south side and the west side that have, you know, felt various types of impacts of depopulation and don't have the same community amenities that our wealthier communities have. So what I think the Aster does that's you know unique is certainly when you look at retail or commercial or restaurants or the things that make an area the place that people want to be part of their communities, I think the Aster has taken the cultural aspect to a new level and really built in certain areas where he's become an anchor around which we can build. So I think our investment in projects like the Astor's is justified because we're not only what the Aster is doing, but it's the impact that the Aster's projects can have, not only exactly where they are, but in a radius of where they are, what happens across the street, what starts coming there, what additional benefits it brings. And I think, again, for the Aster's, 
approach that he's kind of staked out a territory and move things within that territory to create a, a whole environment. So I think that's a unique thing. We want to support it. And that's, I think, what goes into our decision to support his projects. Commissioner, when you have a neighborhood that has been losing population for 15, 20 years, I mean, it's very hard to bring it back if there's no development momentum around that neighborhood by investing in housing. It's hard to bring it back by investing in commercial because there's been population decline. Do you see culture as a potential first move that you can make to begin the reinvestment cycle in a neighborhood? It can be. I guess I would say I'm opportunistic and look, we as an administration are opportunistic, but I think I agree that you can't have any of those in a vacuum. So again, we're sitting here in Stony Island Arts Bank. This was a little bit of an island at one point when you started it. It's less of an island every day for all kinds of reasons of things happening around it. But when you look at other areas where we've started, you know, I think we do look for how we maximize our public investments to create more private investments, whether it's a combination of education where we have city colleges or institutions or public transit where we have good nodes of transit. We have investment in housing, investment in retail. I'll, I'll give, you know, I guess our... You know, one of our most important examples is Englewood in the corner of 63rd and Halstead, which is near a Chicago community college, near the Green Line stop. We've invested. We got Whole Foods, Starbucks, and Chipotle to locate there. We've recently funded a new senior project. We're going to look at an application for new housing on Halstead near there. So what we're trying to do is create momentum in a corridor. Actually, in that particular case, there is a little bit of culture that we see an opportunity for there as well, because I think that begins to and continues the story. But there's really no culture related to it, but we'd like to see more restaurants. So I think it's one of numerous options to kind of organize this around. We, we have something that we devised a year ago called the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund. It's based on taking money from downtown zoning. And when we talk about the things that we're going to fund, we use it for neighborhood commercial. We'll fund retail, restaurants, and cultural because we think that's such a strong neighborhood anchor. Does cultural, in the city's terms, look like the work that Theaster is doing on the south side? And I mean that by, you have a number of projects mm -hmm that you did, particularly early on, that don't fit a cultural template, mm -hmm. right? They're not places where performance occurs on a regular basis or art hangs on a regular basis. They may be closed most of the time, but they are constantly present in the neighborhood as a cultural artifact because of the design sure. of those places. And it doesn't fit the typical frame of what City Hall, I would think, most City Halls, would think of as investing in culture. Mm -hmm. I know you did most of those things privately, but I'm curious if what you've done is now looked upon as something of a model or a way of investing in other neighborhoods. Well, one part of this is about what compels a person to develop. So we could say, I'm a neighborhood resident, I live in a place, and my primary inclination for creating a space was just because I wanted something in my neighborhood that kind of neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor development, there was no intention of trying to secure city dollars or anything like that. It was really about what a neighborhood could do, bootstrapping it, doing it on its own, trying to figure things out, and maybe even with no real understanding of how city or governmental mechanisms, additional support, the philanthropic community, how those things work. I was just trying things out when I started. 
Then I think there's another kind of developer who is as opportunistic as the city might be, who says, I'm gonna build in areas where we know that there's additional support that can support the development. We know that there's need. We know that there's opportunity. We know that the new market tax credit season is coming around again. And this project fits something that would benefit from the resources that would come from the development, and we develop. But I think that if those two types of development, local, organic, iterative development that's happening at the neighborhood level, at the single bungalow or the single two flat at a time, if that person was in conversation with a developer who's doing a 30-story high-rise, who's interested in culture but can't afford to be at the granular level, who wants to be involved in community but doesn't have the time, if those two people talked more to one another, and this is something that the commissioner and the department has been helping me with, bringing disparate conversations together so that those two organizations, those two people can learn from each other and maybe make a third kind of development that seeks an opportunity to do both scaled projects that make sense on a balance sheet and also really honed projects that could be an amazing benefit to the local culture of a place and maybe in a, inside of a portfolio small enough that you can make little risks while planning for the big projects. You're listening to Talking About Cities. Our guests today are artists The Astor Gates and Chicago Commissioner of Planning and Development, David Reifman. On the artist side, on the neighborhood developer side, what kind of capacity, language, resources does it take to actually enter into that conversation so that the commissioner can even have that conversation, right? That he right. has time to have the conversation. This is something that I feel like I've learned a lot about. It's really helpful when there's a shared language. And so sometimes you may have to create a situation where you can have a pre-conversation before the meeting. And I think that in the case of the city, we came to the city with our language and they said, your language is different from ours. Let's get you some help so that you can get your language right, so that we can hear you right. And I think that, that even that as a process feels like municipal innovation, where the city could see that there was value added in the small developer, but the developer didn't have the language to communicate the thing that it exactly wanted from the city. And so I feel like the last year we've spent working through translation exercises, still doing projects that we can get done on our own, and still demonstrating that we add value to the city, but learning a language where we can say, this is actually a special plan development, it's a $100 million project, we bring 20% of that to the table in real cash, we have philanthropic partners, and we can leverage CRAs, and we need the city to do this part. And that it took me a few years to get there and a few years for the projects to look legible to the city. Mm. But I think that cities can run doing one, two flat at a time, but not everybody's interested in large mass development. And so there might also be room for a third entity that could help bring, say, the bond resources that a large developer might have access to, together with a really interesting and compelling local neighborhood project. And so I think that through this process with the city, my hope is that we, we start to create that third zone where big development and small development can happen at the same time and make a great neighborhood. Does that ring true to you? 
Well, it does. I think our, our, my position would be the corollary to Theaster's, which is even there, Theaster speaks in more artistic terms, you know, language, whereas I'm saying, you know, tell me deal structure, tell me, you know, your, <laughs> what's your capital stack, where do you need us to come in, what are your returns, what's the price of the real estate, what do you want us to do, and that kind of thing. But the corollary would be just as Theaster's looking at it from the perspective of what we need to do to work it in our system, I think we, uh, as the city, need to look at the kind of opportunities that creativity like the Astros bring to the projects and how we underwrite a project, what makes one project better than another, or why should we give our limited resources here versus there. I think in the Astor's case, what you get with the Astor is his profile, right? So before Stony Island Arts Bank was here, I don't know who came down to the south side who didn't live on the south side, but last year at the Biennial or two years ago at the Chicago Architectural Biennial, the, you know, the opening event, people came down here to see this and started seeing something in the south side as you move south of Jackson Park. The Astor created that buzz and now there will be things around it that hopefully the Astor will benefit from, but the community as a whole mm-hmm. and other investment will benefit from. You know, Theaster is the best example or one of the best examples of what he and I have talked about a lot, which is all types of communities have their Theasters. They're not necessarily the profile of Theaster, but they have their resources, their unique aspect. When we talk about culture, for example, we look at a neighborhood like Albany Park on the north side, which has a bunch of small theaters. How do you brand that and start building and rebuilding and investing in communities? Garfield, where where Theaster's doing a different project, has some of those similar types of opportunities. So creating that interest in an area that suddenly makes it that kind of neighborhood of choice. In terms of public resources, I think there's another angle we haven't spoken about beyond Theaster's individual projects on Civic Commons, which is you look at, uh, we built a, a new CTA terminus station at 95th Street on the Red Line. That has a major public art component, which in this particular case is led by Theaster. The ironic thing is I think you can't do others, right? So we're doing one on Garfield right by, you know, you know, Theaster's investment in Arts Block mm-hmm. where Theaster will not be the artist, which I don't think is necessarily bad. Let people That's at awesome. 95th Street see what Theaster does. It's not his area here and let people in Garfield and 55th Street see another artist which is tied to the Astor's investments in the neighborhood. So Mayor Emanuel is extremely committed to public art and we are in the year of public art here in mm-hmm. Chicago. So I think art, culture, all those things are major entrees to investment, development, and redevelopment. If this works, I mean, what outcome would you like to see in three years that would make it a model, a template for ways of working in neighborhoods across Chicago. This being Theaster's concepts here in Grand Crossing and South Shore? Yes, uh, what we funded with uh, mm-hmm. Civic Commons. Well, I think that, you know, Theaster has um, a unique connection of different places. This morning, I, I was not here, but I heard there's a lot of talk about the word scale. And I don't think the issue is necessarily scale. We talked about that a little bit, but it's a model. You see what creativity can bring to the aggregation of resources at key locations in a neighborhood. You know, if we talk about Kenwood Gardens and that has certain potential for art, you look at St. Lawrence School and its potential both for art and workforce and development. You have other things that I think will happen. So I think what happens around it is a certain kind of, I would say, equitable investment. What you don't want is displacement, right? People like riding Theaster's coattails as he brings value up and suddenly the people, the community around him no longer have a place. I think there's got to be a way to balance that, but I think that would be an element of success. I think you're already seeing it. Now, partly it's Theaster. There's also Theaster 
whether by Space brilliance or maybe. luck, is happens to be right in the path now of the Obama Presidential Center, which mm -hmm. will have a significant impact as it goes out, including all these areas around where Theaster is doing. But you just look at these areas, I think it's really up to Theaster how he takes it to the next step. Certainly we talk, we collaborate, how we invest, but I think Theaster has this vision and how we do things that go beyond where he locates, where his house is, he lives here, his studio, his cultural institutions, how they're programmed, how they're used, how that brings people wanting to live near them and be part of them and walk to something else that's next so they can shop here. and live here and make it a real community here. So that would be the, the ultimate goal of all of these types of investments by the city. The Aster, mm -hmm. what does success look like in three years? Partly where our civic commons assets are. They're places that could really benefit from more cultural activity. We hope that in three years those places will have more culture happening but that in addition that they would have functioned as the beginning of kind of anchor nodes that allow for new magnetized investment, that more people would want to be in East Garfield Park and in Bronzeville and in Grand Crossing because there's a new kind of amenity that didn't exist before. And that, that new amenity was based on the fact that the city owned space that was ripe for using, but there was no model necessarily or no creative driver for its creative reuse. And so you look at old parks, chalets, libraries, and open green space, but if you also look at former industrial buildings, former schools, that there are assets that the city or the county or private individuals are sitting on that are the right building types, the right archetypes for a certain kind of cultural revival or social revival. And I think that whether you call that thing a cultural amenity or you call it a new economic generator, that I think that the cultural amenity and the new economic generator, they're doing something together which makes more people excited about being adjacent to those things. And so we want to build the anchor and then build excitement around people being close to the anchors. The Aster, David, thanks for being our guest on Talking About Cities. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks to our guest, Chicago-based social practice artist Theaster Gates and Chicago Commissioner of Planning and Development, David Reifman. And thank you for listening. You can always hear the latest Talking About Cities podcast and the archive of past shows at kresge.org. There you can also find links to learn more about our guest. Contact us at talkingaboutcities at kresge.org with your comments and suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Carol Coletta, Senior Fellow with the Kresge Foundation's American Cities Practice. And until next time, let's keep talking about cities.